Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm doing okay, Eric. Everything's good. It's just, uh, we are in the midst of beautiful spring here in New England. So we're feeling, I'm feeling really good. We've had just a nice run of weather. And when the sun comes out and, uh, and it's all green, um, yeah. grass is growing, flowers are are blooming it's just just wonderful so feeling good just gorgeous yeah i i, I love it um i could do without some of the allergy stuff but uh, the the sights and sounds of everything i just i just absolutely love yeah. it and the smells we just take, yes. taking a walk the other day and uh it was just it's magnificent so yeah. i'm i'm happy with spring oh that's fantastic i, I know that we are upon another season and that's what we're talking about today and that is graduation season um, and many, you know, 18, 19 year olds are graduating from high school, 22, 23 year olds are graduating from college. And today's topic are what issues do I need to consider as my young adult child becomes independent? And I, I love the fact that when we were talking about this, you're like, well, in theory, <laughs> sometimes, right. sometimes they're independent. Sometimes they're still fairly dependent, <laughs> but it's all as in the eyes of the beholder. Thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I love the question and the answers are certainly change have changed, you know, from one generation to another. You know, I think our, our parents may have had a, a, a real different definition of 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 independence than, than we actually have. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure their their parents before them had a different definition. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll also offer a different answer than I might have. If, if I was asked that same question, you know, when my kids were little, you know, I just had a different perspective. And, um, you know, back then, I, I don't think I would have imagined that I'd still be paying for my kid's cell phone, uh, never mind their AAA emergency cards, mm -hmm. you know, and then helping out with travel expenses when, when they come to visit. But I can, and therefore I do, is... Yeah. Uh, is, is so but even even though they're in their 30s it, it, i i consider them all uh independent they're doing great they're great people and these are just gifts i can do for them you know provide for them so like why not yeah. so i i think it's it's about your definition of of independence it, it i think it's important to to have these conversations with your kid, you know, kids when it's appropriate and, and discuss what that means to you and, and to them. And I think every family is different. We all define it differently. M you know, many of our clients are, who are generally affluent, I think this becomes a real challenge because uh, their kids have become used to a certain lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. and thank goodness. I mean, that's a, that's a blessing. But, but full independence after high school or college, um, just may require a vastly different lifestyle for that child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they and the parents may may not want to sacrifice that at that point. And that, that's fine too. So I but I think it's all about open communication. And it's so important to prepare the kids about um what 
they should expect over their time. And, and I think that, that those conversations should happen much earlier than, than when they graduate high school or they graduate college. I think it's important mm-hmm. to have those conversations throughout their teen years. Yeah. And so, yeah. so, so that's, that's what I, what I want to talk about today is, is addressing these questions and, and, and looking at it from, you know, from the general perspective and then moving to, to tax and risk management issues that parents might have. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that you've really given me a list of questions that I'm going to ask that, that parents need to be asking themselves, or, or I guess we are asking them at, at the same time that I'm asking you these, so you can answer them. Um, because it's, there's a lot to think about. And so there I love is. the fact that you've, you've done this in this format. So I'm gonna, just going to start asking questions. Good for you. Go ahead. All right, let's do this. All right. So first one is in case of an emergency, do you wish to have access to your child's important records? And you, you have some examples, health, academic records, financial records after they turn 18. And that this can be a tricky one. Yeah. You know, a lot of parents are surprised to know that that once their kid turns 18, they, they no longer have access to their child's health, academic and, and financial records. You know, it's just kind of a surprise. Their, their little child all of a sudden turns 18 and, and, and all of a sudden, technically, that information is, is not there for them. Um, you know, if your 18-year-old or 20-year-old is having a health care crisis, uh, you, you may not be able to, to speak for them and, and direct their health care you know, without technically a court order. And I know that mm-hmm. sounds crazy, but um, that's the way it is. You know, your, your, your child should consider signing a, a durable medical and financial power of attorney. And in Massachusetts, we can we call it a, a health care proxy uh, and then a financial power of attorney. So we, th- those are two separate documents. And I, and I think it, it's for those those children that are going off to college, um, especially in different states. I think it's helpful to to, to ask that college, you know, to determine is it possible for you to receive that academic or healthcare information if the child goes to a a, a college based healthcare you, you know pr- provider so i think just a it's just a question and mm-hmm. it's it's not these are not hard uh things to to resolve setting up a a, a medical or financial power of attorney is just not hard it's just a matter of doing it okay so let me let me ask you this um along those lines is this something that you can uh, that you would need an attorney for, or is this like a legal Zoom issue where it's, it can be fairly quick and easy, an online process for these for these documents specifically? I know that more complex stuff you want to go to an attorney, but are there good documents online that you can get? Well, you know, you know I, I I'm always reticent to use online services because you you just never know what you're going to get. Okay, but but you you know a lot of healthcare facilities offer healthcare proxies. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, and and there are legitimate healthcare and finance and power of attorney uh, forms online that that one could do. So so that's that's possible. These documents are not expensive documents. So if you do have a, a relationship with an estate planning attorney, they could do it probably for you know short short money is mm-hmm. is my sense. Okay. All right. All right. Next question is: Is your child attending a college? out of state or are they moving out of state? Why do they need to think about this? Yeah, well, just, you know, I I, I think if they're moving, especially out of state, you know, consider reviewing the out of state in state residence requirements and and then determine if it's appropriate, 
you know, if you if you have all the appropriate documentation that you need, like driver's license and insurance policies, uh, make sure they're they're in place and you're covered, both in the new state and 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 the old state. Um, you know, if they're attending a state school, uh, maybe there are cost advantages to becoming a resident of that state. So you just want to do that. Make just line it up. It may take a couple of years, but understand what your options are. I think it's just a helpful conversation. And and then I always just, because it's important to, to me and my family, just, you know, register to vote in, in the new state if, if that's where you'll be voting. Um, or just know that you'll have to do absentee ballots in your in your home state. Um, but that that's, those are things that are important to me and not all of our clients feel the same way. Yeah, yeah no, those are great points. All right, next question. Is your child still able to be on your health insurance? In other words, are they under 26? Is there any time that if they're under 26, they can't be, Peter, out of curiosity? Do you know? No, um, as long as they're in school um, or or out, it doesn't matter. They they can be on your plan. Um, That's that's the law. And that's a good thing. It's just you you just want to consider whether it's appropriate for, for the child to stay on your plan. Mm. Uh, both from cost and coverage standpoint, you know, just um, it, 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 there, there are circumstances where it, it does make sense for them to be on their own plan. They may qualify for, for, um, uh, you know, Obamacare, the, 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 the subsidied, so it may not cost anything and bringing them off the plan may save you some money. So just be mindful of, of those plan costs and, and how they might change if they come off your plan. So just take a look at it. Not yeah. doesn't need to spend a lot of time on it. Just take a look and check that box. Yeah, it, it was really nice because uh, my daughter, uh, she was 22 and she was still on our health care um, where, where my wife works. And then my daughter got a job where my wife works. <laughs> so at 22, we got to take her off our insurance because she had the exact same coverage through her, you know, on her own. And so that was that was great. It's a nice thing. It is. Let's say mom had just a little bit of money. Yeah. The, right. the important thing is just you want to make sure your kids are covered. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned about the uh, the deductibles and coinsurance because, you know, chances are your kids are going to be healthy, but you just want to make sure they're covered for catastrophic stuff. Yep. All right. Your next question on this list is, is your health insurance HSA eligible and does your child plan to stay on it? That's an interesting one. Yeah, so an HSA is a health savings account, and there's some significant tax advantages uh, to 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 be participate in an HSA, um, as long as you have a uh, as long as you have a, a high deductible health plan. Mm. Um, that's the only way you can join an HSA if it's available to you, and and because of these tax advantages, you just want to be you just want to look at that as an issue. You know, to determine whether your child can be claimed as a dependent. And and if they can't, they they might be able to open and fund their own HSA up to the family contribution limits, which in 2023 is $7,750, which is a pretty significant contribution. And that that's entirely that limit is entirely separate from your own family contribution limits. So for those families that have the extra cash flow um, and, and looking for some tax advantages the HSA may be a very significant advantage that you can take advantage of. You know, this this podcast is not long enough to to go into all those nitty nitty gritty details. Mm-hmm. But um, the question is, uh, is child still a dependent? 
and if they're HS, if they're if their health and if the health insurance is HSA eligible, maybe they can they can move on to their own HSA plan. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a really really good prompt for me, Peter, because um, you're going to answer all the questions that I'm asking you. But like you said, that we could dive into a lot of these different questions very very deeply. We just don't have time on the podcast. So, listener, rest assured, we will be giving Peter's contact information at the end of the podcast as we normally do reach out to him, reach out to him and his team. Um, if any of these questions spark more questions in your mind, which I hope they do, because that's what this is all about, um, reach out to him and his team. Uh, I'd be happy to meet with you and, and answer any questions more in depth for your personal situation. Yeah, and, um, and it's likely that, that um, in the past we've actually, we, and we have, we've done a podcast on health savings accounts. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. th th if you have questions, you might want to go through our all our previous podcasts and see if there's anything that's applicable. Yeah. And, and, and on most of the players um, that, because Peter is on everywhere. I mean, we're talking to iHeartRadio and Spotify and we're not singling any out, although I use Apple, uh, but we're not singling any out. Um, but most of those are searchable as well. So you can, you can search for a title or search for, you know, HSA uh, in, in his podcast list and it'll, it'll should pop up for you. So take advantage of that. All right. Next question. Do you need to review your budget and expenses once your children leave the house? Well, I can almost answer this one. I, I would think so, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think um, consider just how how your budget is going to be affected. Um, maybe it's going to decrease. They're they're mm -hmm. not home eating with you, but you know, um, and so it depends upon the, the the your your continued support and what you what you want for your kids and what what their experiences are. Um, but, but my experience is that the budgets don't really adjust while the kids are in college, you know, maybe when they're out working on their own, they do, but, you know, kids are still, um, require clothing. They travel, um, some, you know, especially if they're out of state, you may have to, you may have to help them come back home during vacation. Mm -hmm. Uh, you may be visiting them. Uh, you still may be taking them on family vacations. They they may be on meal plans, or you might want to provide some extra funding. So just in general, um, my experience is that the budgets, especially during the college years, aren't necessarily um, so different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just categorized different, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, I think it's helpful. It's always a good, a good opportunity um, to review it. That's, yeah. And that's why that's why I asked that question. No, that's great. All right. Uh, are you thinking of moving or downsizing your home after your children leave the house? Do you need to revisit your financial goals in light of your children leaving the house? For example, are you moving or downsizing? And and I love this question because, Peter, you know that, that my wife and I, we sold our house after the kids had been out for a couple of years. And it wasn't the house that they grew up in, you know, for their entire childhood. So it wasn't like we were, you know, crushing their mem memories or anything. But that was a that was a huge thing for us. And it was a really good move for us financially. So that's a great question to ask. Yeah, many parents are just so excited to to make a move after their their child or, or their children leave the house. Maybe it's a couple of years later. They just they want to change for whatever reason, move into a less expensive town, move into a smaller house, whatever. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. And, and, and again, it, this is just my experience from a planning perspective. It, it's that that next move doesn't necessarily decrease, decrease living expenses a whole bunch. And maybe it can in certain communities it does. Uh, but I think it's, it's such an important milestone 
and families should really consider their options seriously. And, and it's a good opportunity to think about where, where you might be two, three, four, 10 years out, you know, beyond when that actual graduation point comes on. So it's not every family is raring to make a move right away, but, but many are, I think it, it's a, you know, can think of it as a blank slate and you can, you know, reimagine a new life without those uh, pesky and expensive kids living under your roof. That <laughs> um, you know, many families are like me. You know, I, I, we, we, our house was not so big that when our kids left, we were, um, you know, we felt like our house was extraordinarily large. So it's, it's, it's a, it seems reasonable for us, and it's great for the when the kids come home. We like our neighborhood, we like our community, so we're staying for the time being, and no changes are are, are we we don't foresee any any changes in in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. All right. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit and move on to some tax issues. Uh, so the question is, are you planning to help your children with a large upcoming expense? And you kind of have some things listed here, wedding, vehicle, down payment on a house, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I think just, you know, again, it's an opportunity to to reflect and see what, what you want, what your kids need and, um, you know, consider, how this is going to affect your own finances and goals. You know, we run things through our financial modeling system. You know, we, we, we want to know what those goals are. What, what, how will it affect your, your own personal planning? If you make a large down, you know, gift to, to the kids for a down payment on a house, you know, around the Boston area, uh, starter homes are, 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 could be, you know, eight, 900, a million dollars. It's just crazy, but that's, that's a reality. Mm -hmm. And so to come down to, to have a large down payment for that 24, 25 year old may mean a significant down payment. And so we just want to run that through our modeling. So you want to just remember that, that if you're gifting any significant dollars to, to your child, um, you, you need to report those gifts. It's, it's, it's an information return. It's a gift to, to your child, but you can, you, you can gift anyone $17,000 a year per person um, without filing a gift tax return. Anything in excess should be, sh there should be a gift tax return filed. It doesn't, there's no tax due at that point, but it is an informational return that you need to make. So just, we always, I think if it's an opportunity to, to reflect, to run this gifting strategy, whether it's a car or a wedding or or, uh, or a down payment on a house through your financial plan, see how it affects you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, I like that last question and going to tie it into this next one a little bit uh, once you answer this, because I, I actually have a clarifying question that combines both of these together. So this next question is, do you anticipate your children will request additional monetary support from you even after they are quote unquote independent? Yeah, and and this just leads to more questions, right? <laughs> um, is this going to be a gift or a loan? So it's it's similar to the question before, mm -hmm. but is this going to be an ongoing? Is this a, a supplement? Um, you know, rent rent rents are extraordinarily high in a lot of a, a lot of cities across the country, and especially in you know your New York, your Boston, your LA, um, any of your major your major centers. Um, and does, does your child need an extra 500 or a thousand dollars or, or more to supplement their, their income and to help 
be in a safe, comfortable place. So the question is, is it a gift or a loan? Uh, and if it's a formal loan, uh, what kind of interest are you going to charge? If, if it's below market, uh, you 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 just you want to make sure that um, that you're you're doing all of the uh, the necessary tax disclosures because it could be a cost. It could be a cost to uh, to you, um, and you just want to make sure you're 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 taking care of that. And then just understand how these transfers affect your own personal goals again. Again, we run it through our financial model, make sure that that it, it makes sense with their cash flow. And and uh, and if so, and that's what they want to do, that's what they do. Yeah. And, and, and that that leads me to my question about this, because in the last question you were talking about, you know, a down payment on a house. I'm thinking about that specifically, because with how the housing market, the way it's been and, and the crazy prices, um, I know that in most cases, and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not a professional here, so please don't take this as, as fact. But in most cases, if you don't have 20% down for a house, you have to pay PMI, primary mortgage insurance, right? So that it's an additional insurance on top of the insurance you're already paying. So that bumps up your, your mortgage because of that, that insurance that you have to pay. So being able to help your child get to that 20%, so let's call it a $500,000 house. I mean, you know, 20% is on a grant, right? Um, if they don't have that, and maybe they have 50, if you're going to do a loan for 50 so they can have the 20% down so they don't get hit with the PMI, um, how do you do that as a loan? You, I think you kind of alluded to it where you have to have a, you know, that's, it's got to be a certain interest rate or whatever, but how do you make it so that the, the government knows that that's a loan and not a $50,000 gift that you didn't report? Well, you know, um, it's... Is this going to be a a loan that you document? It well, could be just a you know. Well, a I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm asking. I guess how how do you make sure that nobody comes back and says, "Well, wait a second, you gave them fifty grand as a gift and you didn't report it." I don't. I don't want anybody to get in trouble here. Yeah. I mean, so you know, if you're if it's a if it's a fifty thousand dollar gift, well, let me let me back up because this gets pretty complicated. If your child is buying a house, yes, uh, and they have to take out a mortgage, mm -hmm. um. If all of a sudden they have a fifty thousand dollar deposit in their checking account, the the, the mortgage company is going to want to know is that a, is that a gift or a loan? Exactly. And, and they're going to they're going to want to know if it's a they're likely want it want it to be a a, a gift because Ooh. they don't want it to be they don't that if it's a loan they're going to have to include that in their overall current debt situation and they may uh. not qualify for as much as 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 a as much of a, a mortgage. So it becomes a little bit dicey, uh, depending upon what they're going to do. So if if it, if it's not documented, you know, maybe you'll have to show it as a gift. Um, the other thing I will say that in, in in the current housing market, and I'm seeing this almost everywhere, uh, a lot of the homes, uh, you know, are, are it's just very very competitive, and mm -hmm. people are coming in um, with all cash. Um, as an all cash buyer, I've seen that, and I've seen this all the time. A lot of my clients are, want their kids to buy their first house, but the kids, you know, they don't have the full the full uh, cash mm -hmm. on hand. And so, what we've seen happen and is either the full gift uh, of the of the home purchase, which is a big number, or it is a a, a gift. An informal gift, no interest, you know, is charged typically, and and 
the child once they buy the place for for cash, then they'll the, then they'll finance it. Oh, okay. All right. And, and maybe they'll gift money back to the to the parents. Got it. Okay. So so this is just, why we're going to give your contact information. Out yeah. The show. Yeah. This is <laughs> you, you, your goal is to is to get the have your child purchase their first home, get in the market, but it becomes a challenge. How how do they do that? What are the best ways? Yeah. Hi, this is Catherine Broy from the Raskin Planning Group. Apologies for the interruption. Thanks so much for listening to Wealth is in the Details. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast's show notes and connect with us via social media. All right. Well, still in, in this, this question kind of surprised me uh, at first, and I thought a little bit more about it, so it, it makes more sense. But in graduation season, when you're, these kids are getting out of the house or getting out of college, do you or your spouse own a business? Why is this an important question? Yeah, because so, um, you may just want to consider hiring your kids, uh, that, and that could be beneficial in, in your situation from a tax perspective. So so the first um, 13, in 2023, calendar year 2023, the first $13,850, which is the, the maximum standard deduction for dependents in 2023, uh, your, that your child earns is, is federally tax-free. And hmm. potentially payroll tax free if they're under eighteen. So you know it may be a great way to opportunity to shift um, income within the family to save on taxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, you know, with the earned income, you know the child can also do Roth IRA savings. And so if if they're maybe even younger than than eighteen, uh, but if they're in a situation where they could work part-time for you, um, you may want to put them on the payroll from a tax perspective. It's, it's income shifting and okay. it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Does your child have any taxable investment accounts uh, like brokerage, UTMA, UGMA, which you're going to have to explain to me what those are, Peter, or interest bearing accounts? Yeah. So the UTMA, UGMA accounts are typically, uh, they're, they're, they're accounts that are, in the name of the child, but because the kids, the kid is child is not a, of, of majority, each state has established basically a custodian uh, okay. account where the parents can establish the account for them uh, in in their names. But it's the child's money. Okay. All right. Um, and so it, it, it's the child's money. It any dividends or interest that that it earns is is subject to tax at at the kids at the kids level. But you just want to be mindful of um, if that portfolio income, you know, from dividends and capital gain distributions and interest and all that is going to um, be significant enough that that there, there's going to be a kitty tax and that the, that the, the taxable income is going to be attributed back to the parents. Mm. So it's just a matter of understanding how the earned income, which was the question before, and the, any any investment income that they receive um, can be taxed advantage. And what, what can you do about that? So it's just a matter of allocating appropriately. Got it. All right. Uh, this is always a big question. Do you need to review whether you should claim your child as a dependent? Yeah. So th this is a, a, a challenging question. It's really a question that you need to run by your accountant who's preparing your taxes each year. You know, they can do a, a study for you and you just want to make sure that and be mindful of those 
phase out ranges uh, and, and and the the non-refundable nature of of education tax credits like the American Opportunity Tax Credit and the Lifetime Learning Credit, you know, and, and this is so it depends upon your level of income for the for the family. And if your income is too low, you may not, uh, you know, appropriately recognize that that additional income in order to capture that 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 non-refundable portion of the credit. Um, if your income is too high. Uh, it may be appropriate to not claim your child as a dependent, and then and then and then claim the have them claim the credit instead. So it it, it all depends upon the situation. Who's who is is the child able to be a dependent or not? Um, who should claim these 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 tax credits? Um, the American Opportunity Tax Credit is good for um, undergraduate work, college, and the Lifetime Learning Credit can be can be is available for graduate school as well. Um, so you just want, again, you just want to run by the, your accountant, the situation and, and ask, is this, is this something I should take advantage of? Um, you know, if your child is 24 years or older and you're still providing at least 50% of their support, you know, especially if, you know, if they're attending graduate school, um, you may be able to claim the other dependents tax credit which you know is it advantageous if again you're 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 um, claiming that lifetime learning tax credit. Mm -hmm. So it's just really dependent upon your situation. Again, we don't have time today, um, but I'm happy to chat with people about that in more detail. And it's really a a question eventually for your accounting, your accountant. Yeah, and and this next one I'm assuming is going to be similar in nature. Do you need to review how your taxes might change once your child becomes independent? Yeah, I mean, you you may lose any credits or deductions, and that might increase your your tax liability. And so you just want to look at that, look at your withholdings, estimated taxes if appropriate. And so it's just again check that box. Not a not difficult, but but a question again for your accountant. Yeah. All right. All right. And and early in the podcast, you said that we're going to touch on taxes, and then you mentioned risk management, and that's where we're moving to next. Um, will your child move to, or do they already attend a college away from home? Yeah. So, you know, if they're not living at home, um, you know, just I think we talked about the health insurance, that's a piece of it, but also, um, you know, consider purchasing renters or dorm insurance, you know, or, or make sure, look at your homeowner's insurance policy and, and see how, how they're covered there. You just don't want to be surprised. And, and that's why I, I, I bring that up. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love this next question because I'm a 50, 50 on this. I'll just tell you why. <laughs> Are you concerned your child might not be fiscally responsible? I've got one that's a absolutely. And then I've got one that's absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of families can, uh, can say the same, you know, um, if, if that's the case, you know, consider supporting them by by paying for expenses directly rather than giving them cash. Hmm. You know, every every child is different, so you just you, you think of it as a as a as a teaching moment. Yeah, you know, be and be mindful of their access to to certain accounts. If they're over eighteen, some some states is twenty one. They have complete uh their UTMA and UGMA accounts at their bank or investment are fully available to them. So you just might want to establish some sort of restriction, whether that's, um, uh, you know, a, a, a an agreement between just the, you and, and the child 
or you know taking transferring assets into something that's that's less available to them. Um, and I think it might be a good idea to help them understand you know credit cards and debit cards and and those best practices. You know, maybe, and this is something a lot of families do when they're younger, when they're, you know, when they're still in high school. Um, but if if it hasn't been done, think of this as an opportunity to do that. Maybe, maybe become an authorized use, user on their accounts so you can track their expenses, not not to not to control them, but to to help them understand, um, you know, good responsible habits around around debit debit cards and credit cards. I think it's it's a learned it's learned information. People are not born with it. And I think you need yeah. to have those conversations around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next question. Does your child have any serious health issues or disabilities? Yeah, this is a, a, a real important area. And I think becoming more important, you know, consider the pro those proactive things you can do to, to protect your child before they they leave the house. You know, example, so establishing a support system before they go away to college, especially if it's a, a long distance away. You know, check with their college about access to mental health care, uh, as, especially if they're prone to um, need those services. And, and, and then, uh, especially in the beginning, as they're as they're leaving the nest, you know, um, be just be as proactive as you can. The the mental health just become a huge issue for young people, really, even before COVID, but but since COVID, and and we so want our kids to stay healthy. Um, and I'm just, you know, just hearing more and more reports about young people having real serious problems and, and parents are sometimes just don't know those have become issues. So especially early on in there, as they leave, do what you can to, to stay involved in their world. If they're, if, if, if the child is open to it and it's a tough one because not, not all ch ch children are. Um, so I, I just, I, I think it's an important consideration, know your child, um, be a good parent, you know, ask lots of questions, um, be there when, when, if, if, if they need you and, uh, and love them and that's all you can do. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly right. All right. Um, the next question on the list is, is your child driving and still considered your dependent? Why is, why is that important? Out of yeah. Well, I, I always, you know, cars, um, your kid may be a great driver. Um, nevertheless, um, they're still young drivers <laughs> and, and you just want to make sure that, that you're protected because if you own the car, you're buying them insurance and they're driving the car and something terrible happens, mm -hmm. uh, you, you may be brought into that, into that liability, that lawsuit and, um, th 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 it's something you want to avoid. Um, and so I always recommend um, transferring ownership of the, to the child of the child's car to the child, and have the child purchase their own auto insurance. You know, try to be as independent as possible. Let them pay their own premiums. You know, you can maybe gift the premium to them, um, the amount of the premium, but but have them pay it. Um, so just those kinds of concerns just put up additional um, walls be between you and and and, and liability, which is uh, an ongoing issue. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. All right. Are you concerned about your child's actions or behaviors causing future liability issues for you? Yeah. It, it, that, unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. Um, and so you just might want to consider, consider limiting the, the gifts you make to them. Um, mm -hmm. uh, utilize trust. 
that 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 can be there to pay income and principal to the child, but require an independent trustee's authorization for distributions, and that that can protect the child from from liability and and you from liability. So if you foresee that coming, um, take action, do something about it. Trusts can be a wonderful vehicle. And then just limiting the gifts um, in their name. I think some some families just need to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially, I would assume more affluent families are kind of a, have a bigger target on their back. Would you say so? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, next question. Will your life insurance needs change once your children become independent? Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to review these policies and and just see if there are any changes that that are beneficial. You know, maybe an ownership change or a beneficiary change would be appropriate or, or maybe a reduction in death benefit, um, possibly a change to a different product that that focuses on on something other than 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 death benefit if that's not as necessary maybe for example um long term care um is is something that that needs to be addressed at some point in, in the future and 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 maybe instead of um having premiums go toward death benefit to benefit children that are 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 have become independent you've already paid those major education costs maybe changing or shifting the 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 insurance coverage from death benefit to long-term care, which is going to be something that will be helpful in, mm. to your family uh, in your retirement. So just a consider consideration. Think of it again as an opportunity to check the box. Yeah, I've reviewed that. We're okay. I don't need to make any changes or maybe we have an opportunity to make to make improvements. Yeah. Well, this is this next one I know you've covered uh, in other podcasts as well as far as touching on it and, and teaching about it. Uh, but are you concerned about having extra unused funds in a 529 plan? Yeah, a lot. A lot of uh, families have been aggressive, have aggressively saved for for um, college, and uh, there and, and the college the the students have gotten either um, grants or or um, you know gone to less expensive schools. So there's extra money there. And so what do you do? Because um, if you if all of a sudden you take that money back, there could be some tax consequences. Um, so you could change the beneficiary to another child, maybe a niece or a nephew. I mean, something along those lines. Or there was a a, a, a new feature um, available that uh, because of the uh, Secure uh, Act 2.0, which was passed effective uh, January 1st, 2023. Now, this provision, um, which allows you to, to move from a, a 529 plan to a Roth for that the beneficiary of, of a 529 plan is a feature that's starting in 2024. Now there's lots of restrictions to that and it, it may provide some relief, uh, something to take a look at. Um, and that's why I mention it. Got it. All right. Is it time to introduce them to a financial planner that begin, that can begin educating them? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's so important to just begin the education process early and, and do it often. <laughs> you know, early and often. Yep. Early and often. When appropriate, you know, introduce them to an advisor. May not may not be appropriate at 18. Um, hopefully the family's been educating the, the, the children about banking and credit cards, you know, in their teenage years and about budgeting and spending and and all that. But at some point, um, it it may be valuable for for this child to have a, an independent source, not the parent, um, that talks to them, that can answer their questions, that can be there for as a resource. Um, I know we I love playing that role. 
and, and we yeah. do it often. It's just a great thrill to talk to to the young people and answer their questions. I, I love young people and and uh, you know it, and it's a great. I think of it as a a great resource for the whole family. So yes, I think when it when it's appropriate, definitely introduce them to a, a financial advisor. Yeah, and here's the thing: I think every parent knows, and they've had those times in their lives when when their their child maybe they've been an open book and talked to them just about everything, but there are some times that they just want to talk to somebody else, and that's yeah. okay. That that's okay, right? It's it's not a control issue. It's just. Maybe they just want a little bit of privacy to ask some questions that they don't want to feel dumb asking you as their, as their parent or, or whatever. So being able to have that option, I think is, is it's a safe place, right? I think that that's, what's really being provided there. And I think it's, it's great. So yeah. I, just an example, what, what I've done for my kids, um, um, I, certainly I could refer them to, to a friend who is a financial advisor, but, but I've also suggested that they speak to, um, Catherine in my office, Catherine Broy. Mm -hmm. And I've just made it very clear to, to everyone that um, whatever she talks about is completely confidential. And um, and a couple of my kids have felt comfortable doing that. And they, they've, they've talked to her and it's been, I, I think, helpful to them. And I, I don't know what they talked about, but um, I'm glad they did because I trust Catherine and she's great at what she does. Great. All right. Are your children old enough and qualified? to start taking a more important role within your estate documents? In other words, like a power of attorney, executor, trustee, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think it's so, it's so important to begin introducing them to these important financial concepts. You know, what is a trustee? What is a, a personal, you know, a representative of, of an estate? Uh, what's a power of attorney? You know, these are, are just important uh, concepts that I think that young adults should know about. And I think you want to begin uh, having those conversations. I think it's also, you know, do, do, it's a question, you know, not every family needs to do this, but some families should should think about do, having family meetings, you know, uh, disclosing information when appropriate to the kids. They they know when something is unique. They know a, a, if a family owns a business, their situation is different than other families. They know that they're uh, very you know, affluent and, and can afford things that other families can't. They, the kids know this. And mm -hmm. I think it's just, if, if it's important to bring them into the fold at certain points in time. And, um, you know, just to, to answer those questions, like why did you establish these trusts? Um, and, and the answer in, in the vast majority of cases is all about love. You know, that a family wants is concerned about their kids' well-being and and their independence and and their and their life going forward, um, and so that's that's why people establish trust. It, it's it could be about estate tax planning, could be a little bit about control, but it's really it's because the parents love the kids, and they just want to have those conversations, not waiting until the parents pass away, but well before. Um, you know, understand what the family real estate issues are. Like if they have second homes, if there's commercial properties, you know, who's going to, who's going to start taking on these responsibilities. And um, I think it's helpful to bring those kids into the fold again, when it's appropriate, not, not, not when they're 17 or 16, uh, but when they're, when they're able and willing and interested is the time. Absolutely. Well, I am at the end of my questions, Peter, um, and these families are just at the beginning of their journey. Uh, so 
this is something that there, I mean, there's probably still a ton of questions out there that we didn't even cover today. Um, and it's interesting. It's an interesting time for these families. And as their kids become independent, there's, it's an entire process wrapped around every step of, of, of the way. Um, what are your final thoughts for the families out there that are listening? Yeah. So it's like most things financial, I, I, you know, I think we get the best results when, when we think ahead, when we plan ahead, you know, we, we, we got to prepare ourselves and our kids for, for, for independence, you know, that just doesn't all of a sudden um, click a switch and, mm-hmm. and, and have it happen. I think we have to, as I said earlier, you know, communicate um, with them about expectations uh, and, and not to say that, that it's easy, you know, as parents, uh, as a parent of, of three kids, three three young adults now, uh, they're independent. They're all successful in their own right. They're, they're but each child's different, and we've had similar independence goals for all three. But but they're but they've gone, they've gotten there at different speeds and in different ways. And each of them is on their own journey. Uh, and and I'll honestly, it's it's both wonderful and challenging to watch them from a distance grow up and 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 establish their own, their own lives. Um, not always easy to do so as a parent, because you just want yeah. everything to be easy for them. And that's not always the case. But I think our, our, our goal is, is to, is to have those, is to be open with them and talk to them as we'd want to be talked to, yeah. treated treat as an adult. Um, and that just takes time. So yeah. planning, planning is, is, is the message. Think about thinking ahead, Think about where you want to be in three years, five years, 10 years. Yep. Well, again, it'd be nice to be able to make it easy for our kids. We can't necessarily do that, but we are definitely going to make it easy for the listener to reach out and get more help and, and get more questions answered by giving your contact info. What, how should they reach out to you, Peter? Yeah. So uh, I think going to w, uh, you know my website, raskinplanning.com is a great place to get information, listen to uh, past podcasts and, and get our contact information and glad to chat with anyone that has uh, any concerns or, or questions. Perfect. Peter, thank you so much for the info today. Thank you, Eric. Great to chat. You bet. And our last thank you, of course, goes to you, listener. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. 
Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.